Are you one of those people that loves conspiracy theories? Maybe you just like the idea of conspiracy theories. It's the kind of thing you like to, you know, like some people like to talk about the weather. You just like to talk about, you know, some secret cabal who's running the planet or something. You know, there's so much of it out there, and it used to be just kind of comical. It used to be something that you just kick around. But we have seen over the last decade or so, it really gained purchase in North America, and especially in the United States, all kinds of conspiracy theories about the electoral system, uh, what happens uh, and what doesn't. Uh, so what is it that the, the federal government, or rather Elections Canada, has found out about Canadians and what we, uh, what we believe and don't believe in terms of the truth. Well, Elections Canada, curious to know how many Canadians believed in uh, in conspiracy theories in the lead up to the federal vote. Well, when it comes to conspiracy beliefs, the study recently posted to a government website reported that 17% of those who responded believe that the government was trying to cover up the link between vaccines and autism. 30%, 30% thought new drugs or technologies were being tested on people without their knowledge. Are you the kind of person that are like, well, maybe Bill Gates is trying to microchip me? Angus Bridgman is a director with the Canadian Election Misinformation Project. Welcome, Angus. What is it that you found in this uh, survey, and did it surprise you? Uh, thanks for having me, Alan. Yeah, so the, the Elections Canada survey is very interesting. This is... Um, this was a survey done back in April leading up to the election and Elections Canada was concerned that what would happen is sort of a mirror of what happened in the United States where last November there were widespread claims of conspiracies around their election and sort of there there's still some very large misperceptions that persist to this day about uh, vote tampering and ballot machines and things. So anyways, Elections Canada was preparing for this and they happened to ask about some conspiracies alongside some of their questions about um you know, making sure that they could potentially address some of the concerns about voting in Canada. And indeed, you, you know, you sort of summarize some of their, their claims there around um, the conspiracy mindset amongst Canadians. And it is true that, you know, between t 10 to 20 percent, depending on the measure of Canadians, tend to express um, con conspiratorial ideation. That, that, that seemed, that those numbers jumped right out of me. That Those seemed high. Is that is that percentage of respondents or give me a, some context in that number? Yeah, so, so it's a weighted percentage from a nationally representative sample. I think there's, um, you know, I do a, a lot of survey research. I think there's enormous value in it, but I think we also need to be somewhat skeptical of it. So, for example, in, in, our, in our work during this last election, we, we were trying to understand sort of the spread of specific stories and looking at particular pieces of misinformation circulating around the election. And one of the things we did is we put in fake stories. So we sort of sat in a room together and said, okay, what, what are some things that are plausible sounding but didn't actually occur? So we came up with a, a few and we asked Canadians about them. And, you know, for some of them, 15 to 20% of Canadians said, yeah, I believe that's true, that happened. And so those are completely fictitious stories that sound plausible but are not true. And so I think this is one of the things with survey research we need to be aware of is that when, when there's a number, you know, 15%, these are these are people expressing potentially doubt uh, a range of things, or they're potentially providing just a response that that maybe they have some inkling is true, but they're not confident in necessarily. So, yes, there is conspiratorial ideation amongst the Canadian public, but I don't look at these numbers and and sort of feel horror and feel really desperate about the state of our our democracy and our public education system.
Well, well, let's back up to you know you're sitting around a room, you're coming up with these fake news stories. Are these <laughs> are, are, they, are these fake news stories that you're pulling out of thin air, or is this something that you've seen perhaps circulate on Facebook or other social media platforms? Yeah, so we we did both. So we we uh, looked at misinformation that was circulating during the election. So some widespread stories, for example, that the Liberal government was preparing a climate lockdown. This was something that Cheryl Gallant. Um, a member of parliament had uh, had spread on social media, and so we were trying to understand. You know, did people did people hear about this supposed climate lockdown that the liberals were going to impose? So we asked about real stories. We also asked about um, re- real misinformation stories. We also a- asked about some fictitious ones. And the reason we wanted to do that is because people sometimes over-report, as you know, as I said earlier, beliefs or. Re- uh, that they have seen stories. And so we wanted to sort of get a baseline. Look, if, it, if we ask people, did you see this completely fictitious, never before been uttered story? And they say yes. Well, then that, that's a useful baseline to compare to that, those misinformation stories. You know, we can look at the difference between those two and say, okay, this is, this is likely sort of how many people saw it. Well, that, 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 is, that is fascinating. So because that would give us a peek into just how effective misinformation spreads online. Uh, what did you find? Yeah, yeah. So that's exactly what we were trying to do: is to sort of measure, okay, does this does this stuff sort of penetrate out into the broader Canadian public, or does it stay on sort of these dark corners of the internet that everyone knows about, and everyone has a good friend or a family member who who spends a lot of time in? And what we found is that yes, actually, um, misinformation stories do go out into the broader population, and they the they're sort of receipt and belief in them mirrors that of sort of real news stories. So when, you know, there's a there's a particular story reported in in sort of the mainstream press, um, that only reaches a, a small segment of the population, maybe 30 to 40% if it's a big news story. Um, and we find sort of similar numbers for the misinformation pieces. So there's not a huge difference between kind of how people receive misinformation and, and factually true information. Oh, God, that is so depressing. Yeah, I guess that is so depressing. <laughs> so it is depressing. I, I'm, on, I'm in here swinging away for the fences <laughs> day in, day out, trying to tell the truth, and you're saying to me that, that what I do uh, or what any journalist does here in this country isn't going to reach any more people than the misinformation. Yeah, so so that that <laughs> that is certainly sort of a, a depressing statistic. I think one of the things we have to consider about is is the weight of these things. So, you know, on any given story, potentially the reach is limited, but over time, the weight of these stories combine to form a narrative and combine to sort of form a, a factual understanding of po- politics. And that's that's important, and we ha- we have to keep doing that. If if there isn't that factual understanding being continuously promoted, what ends up happening is if you sort of have that one-to-one ratio of misinformation stories to factually true stories, then, you know, you're going to end up with a Canadian population that's incredibly confused about what the facts of politics are. And that's that's something we really do want to avoid at all costs, and not just Canada, but around the world. This is something governments and, and journalists are really struggling with right now. Speaking with Angus uh, Bridgman, who's the director of the Canadian Election Misinformation Project, you, you sort of started by saying that the numbers weren't as dire as perhaps we might think just, you know, when you see that 30 percent number of, you know, new drugs or technologies being tested on people without their knowledge, for example. Give me a sense of why you're more optimistic than pessimistic about these numbers. <laughs> so uh, just to be clear, I'm, I'm not happy about these numbers either. 30 percent <laughs> is still uh, still a large number of Canadians that are that sort of casually saying that, OK, our, our government is, is uh, you know, using us as lab rats. I, that, that's still a, a concerning number. But I think that might be a slight overestimate. And, and if you actually talk to talk to individuals who hold these beliefs, often they have sort of a more moderate take of that. That said, 
I mean, there really are. We've seen over the last um, year and a half sort of a, a large number of, of Canadians who, uh, you know, have a dedicated um, conspiratorial mindset around COVID-19. And that number has remained fairly um, similar over the last year and a half. So th- there, there's definitely sort of that 10, 12% of Canadians who are really um, concerned about conspiratorial ideas around COVID. And, and that, that's that been really concerning. And, you know, when we're talking in the middle of a pandemic with the need for vaccination and the need for public health measures, that's been very concerning to me and other social scientists kind of looking in this space. Hmm. Well, I appreciate that very much. Thanks, Angus. I appreciate your time today. My pleasure, Alan. Thank you. That is Angus Bridgman, who is director of the Canadian Election Misinformation Project, all part of uh, new information coming out from Elections Canada. It is now released some of the details as it looked into, you know, how many Canadians actually believe in conspiracy theories? Has, has that moved for you? It seems like, you know, we'd get together, you know, the boys and me and my, my friends would play some poker and, you know, we'd bat around a bunch of conspiracy theories and it all seemed to be in good fun and did you hear about this thing? And, and then it just, it seemed like these things began to really, you know, gain purchase gain purchase in people's minds, and part of that is social media, and part of that also is the pandemic. People just, you know, when you have information that comes at you so fast and it's hard to wrap your mind around it, especially in the early days of the pandemic when things, you know, began to change pretty quickly in terms of our understanding about the science of it, and people are like, well, I, I just, I reject I reject the narrative that I'm hearing and I'm going to go find myself a narrative that fits my own worldview. And, oh, here it is on Facebook being propagated by a website that I've never heard before. And my goodness, is that depressing to think that all of my ranting here in this small closet in the basement of this building in Don Mills doesn't reach any more people than that misinformation that's circulating out there. 